Uh, Open your Bible to Genesis 25 if you haven't already, and we're going to look at these verses uh, together. Before we do that, let me pray one more time. Father, as we look at these verses, we pray that you would work in us through your Spirit. Uh, And by praying that, Father, we're admitting that we need you to work in us. So, Father, I pray that uh, your Spirit would take these words and plant them in our hearts. That as we go through the week this week, that when we face difficulty or hardship or temptation, we pray, Father, that the the Spirit might draw these to our, our minds, that we might be encouraged and challenged. We pray, Father thanking you that uh, you didn't leave us without a word, uh, but Father, you have given us a book that we can go to over and over again to see what you are like and what we are like. So Father, I pray that you would encourage us today as we look into your word that might help us to be uh, more of what you called us to be. Would you take a few moments, uh, don't say anything out loud, but just pray and ask that God would speak to your heart today. Then again, not uh, saying anything out loud, but would you just pray for me, pray that God would speak through me. Father, again, we come humbly, and I come humbly just to ask that you would do a work through me. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love Connemara. Uh, If you've never driven through Connemara, you're missing out. I know Mandy is going to be driving through Connemara later with some friends of ours that are here. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, I don't love the roads. If you've ever been into Connemara, and and really most of the places in Ireland, let's be honest, uh, the roads are narrow and they're very twisty, right? There's very few straight, long, straight stretches of road. There's so few, in fact, that for me anyway, when when I'm on one, like I notice it. It's like, wow, look at this long, straight road. What an incredible thing. And I remember years ago uh, when Mandy and I first moved here, we asked, uh, we were talking with, some, uh, with an older man, and we asked him, we said, why are the roads so twisty here? And he said, well, it's because when they were building them, they wanted to keep the wind at their back. You'll get that, you'll get that later. Uh, but those roads are, you know, borderline dangerous as you're traveling straight and all of a sudden you hit a bend and you hit a, uh, a twist uh, in the road. And we all know the happiness that we feel when the roads that we're on are straight and clear. Isn't it great in life when the road in front of us is straight and clear. You know, life is good. Things are going well. I can see off into the distance. I can see what's coming ahead of me, right? What a great feeling it is. 
And in the same way, we know the feeling of cresting a hill on that nice straight road only to meet a sudden twist, a sudden bend that you didn't see coming, right? A child or a marriage begins to struggle out of nowhere. You lose your job out of nowhere. A parent or a loved one dies. Out of nowhere, everything gets turned on its head. Now let's consider what's happening here in this, the, the storyline of, of Genesis that we've seen so far as we begin to shift our focus. Remember, Parag wrapped up Abraham's story last week, and now we're shifting our focus to Isaac and the ones that will continue on this legacy. God is, as we've seen, moving things along. In chapter 19, Isaac, the child of promise, is born. God formalizes his choice of Isaac over Ishmael as the recipient of the promise, which God has moved mountains, right, to to previously bring about, right? Abraham, uh, 100 years old, Sarah, 90 years old. I mean, God has moved mountains and done miracles to bring this child of promise to life. God miraculously provides a wife for Isaac to continue the fulfillment of the promise that he's made. The road is straight. God is at work, but there's going to be a twist in the story. And what do we do when our road twists? When we face a a bend in the road of our journey and it shifts in unexpected ways. Sometimes the narrow road that we walk is full of twists and turns and we just can't see where we're going. Now in our story here in this text, we probably expect a straightforward ending to the fairy tale. That's probably how we would have written the script. Everything seems to be moving along nicely for this family of promise until all of a sudden it isn't. I've talked to, uh, I was talking with a, a friend of mine that works in the hospital and I'd read an article that uh, doctors leaving their shifts, you're never supposed to say, oh, it's been quiet or it's been a quiet night. Because that's, a, that's an omen that oh, it's about to all go crazy. It's about to all uh, move into chaos. Uh, you know, it's like when you say, uh, oh, what could possibly go wrong? What's going to happen? Something's going to go wrong, isn't it? Right? Everything seems to be moving along nicely for this family of promise until it isn't. And as we see in our, in our text in these verses today, there's a couple of things that twist uh, the plot. The first is we see that Rebecca is barren. The, 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 the one, the, the family that is going to carry on the promise are unable to have children. And we've seen that before, haven't we, with Abraham and Sarah. And then we see that the eventual pregnancy with twins uh, is a part of something bigger that God is doing. Two nations are growing in her womb that will be divided in the years ahead. 
And sometimes for us, the road that we're on twists and turns unexpectedly as well. And that can be distressing, can't it? Uh, it can be distressing when we feel like we are, are, are on a clear path and all of a sudden it takes a jolting turn. Jesus told us in Matthew 7 that the narrow road that we walked would be difficult. And intuitively, we know that, right? Intellectually, we understand that. Matthew 7, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction, and those that enter it are many. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. Intuitively, we understand, okay, uh, if we're going to be linked to Jesus, we are going to encounter difficulty. But still, we're often surprised when twists and turns come in the road. Again, an announcement from a child or a spouse or a medical diagnosis or some health scare. And we as believers are just as susceptible to the myth that it'll all be grand as the next guy is. And those twists can be distressing because they remind us of something that we don't like to be reminded of. They remind us that life is ultimately not under our control, is it? You ever been in a car that all of a sudden you lose contact with the ground, like you hit a patch of ice uh, and the car is even for just a moment out of control and the feeling that it, it causes as you're driving and boom, you lose control. And we, have, we understand what that's like in life as well. That as much as we want to be, we are just not in control of the script, are we? And that can produce fear and distress because even the illusion of control gives us some sense of security, doesn't it? Even the illusion that we are in control uh, gives us some sense of security. If we can see what's coming, we feel like we can prepare ourselves to deal with it. So what's the solution to the, the trouble of the twists that we face in this road and the distress that they can cause us? Well, the solution is that the, the the solution is to remember that God is able to see around those bends that we can't see around. God is able to see around those twists in the road. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been confused about what was in, in front of you and needing to see around something you couldn't see around. Uh, and, and maybe you've had a drone and you've taken the drone up. And as, you, as the drone goes up, it is able to see those things that you can't see, right? So if, you're, if your vision is impeded and you can get up higher and see, then you can make sense of what's going on. And so the solution is that uh, God is the solution because his ways are higher than ours. So he is able to see around those bends that we can't see around. So in our story today, where this couple struggles, God steps in and moves in his way and in his time. 
So let's consider those two things. Watch how God sovereignly provides for this family in his time. In verses 19 through 21, these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to be his wife. Now remember that, 40 years old. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Now if you skip over to 26, Isaac was 60 years old when she bore him. Mental maths, what is 60 take away 40? 20. Was Isaac praying for Rebekah for 20, for, uh, for 20 years? Perhaps. 20 years of praying for his barren wife before God answered that prayer. Rebecca prays, and we don't know much about, the, uh, about how she prays or how long she prays, but she, uh, she seeks the Lord as she encounters this difficulty in her pregnancy. Rebecca, she conceived, the children struggled, verse 22, and she inquires of the Lord why this is so difficult and what is going on within her. And through it, God provides for this couple, after 20 years, in his time, he sovereignly provides. And God sovereignly provides for this family uh, in his way, that is, according to his sovereign will. Again, verse 22, the children struggled within her, and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? You ever ask that question? Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said, here's the oracle that God gives in response to her prayer. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. There's nothing conventional about this pregnancy. Now, Rebecca is probably not the first and certainly not the only pregnancy to, to struggle where the, the woman experiences difficulty. But there's nothing conventional uh, about this. It's difficult. It involves twins. Uh, more, though, is the, how the oracle here says that the older shall serve the younger. That was way outside the bounds of convention in that day. Uh, it was the younger that would serve the older, not the other way around. So something's going on here. Uh, the older never served the younger. And so this is going to set us up for next week as Esau is going to sell his right to the blessing to Jacob. And then it's going to set us up further for the actual moment where Jacob is going to receive the blessing of the firstborn, the younger is going to be positioned above the older. And this sets that in motion, and it locates it within God's sovereignty. So that by the time we get to the instance where that happens, it's not going to be a surprise, because God has already said this is the direction things are going. It's all part of God's sovereign plan. This is how God had sovereignly determined to move things along according to his plan. And the Apostle Paul, if you turn to Romans 9, turn over to Romans 9. That's in the New Testament. Turn over to Romans 9. 
Keep your finger in Genesis. We're coming back. The Apostle Paul is going to use this story in Genesis to show how God sovereignly works in all things. Uh, even in the context of Roman, Romans 9, even our own salvation and choosing and rejecting purely based upon his sovereign will. So just look in Romans 9, look at, at verse, uh, beginning in verse 10. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told, and here is the, the Genesis 25 quotation, the older will serve the younger. As it is written, and here's a quote from Malachi, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So the importance of this for Paul's argument is that Jacob was chosen over Esau while they were still in the womb as a result of, for, as Paul notes, the, same, the very same act of intercourse. There was nothing that differentiated uh, the two of them. You can't point to different fathers or, or different acts as the reason that God chose Jacob over Esau. It also means that Jacob was chosen in the womb before either had done anything good or bad. Right? That's what Paul notes in verse 10. Uh, sorry, verse 11. Though they were not yet born, they were in the womb, they had done nothing good or bad, and yet God had chosen one over the other. See, Jacob wasn't chosen because he had done more good things than Esau had done. Their works had nothing to do with it. And incidentally, in Romans 9, Paul is using the words chosen and rejected uh, in the context of salvation, not just in the context of blessing uh, as it's used in Genesis. But also because the concept of the older serving the younger was so foreign to that time and place, we can't say that God chose Jacob because, well, that's just what you do. He didn't receive the blessing because he was the oldest. He wasn't. He was the younger. So God's choosing of Jacob and his rejection of Esau was purely an act of his sovereign will and grace. That's what Paul says in concluding in verse 11. Not because of works, but because of him who calls. And here's where that story of God moving in his time and in his way Here's where that story intersects our story. It is that God is able to see around the bends on the road that we're walking. And he is able to act in his time and in his way in accordance with his sovereign plan. Which ultimately involves our good. In our story, where the road twists and the road turns, God is able to act in our story, in his time, and in his way for our good. This should be a great comfort to us. 
we may not be able to see where we're going. We may not be able to see what is ahead of us, but God is able to see. Uh, A sovereign and loving God can see those things that we cannot. We know from Romans 8 that God is able to not only see all things, but he is able to use all things, even difficulties, to accomplish his purpose in making us like Jesus. Which is the the best and most loving thing that he can do because no one experienced more joy than Jesus in his relationship to the Father. So there is joy and there is purpose even in the road that twists, even in the bends that we face because we know that God is able to use them for our good. How do we think about our own lives in these moments in which the fear of what lies ahead begins to to creep in? Well, we have to preach truth to ourselves. We have to preach the truth to ourselves that God has seen what lies ahead and that even those difficult things play a part in his sovereign plan to accomplish his purpose. And it's in that way that we let go and we let God do what he wants to do. See, rest in those moments of fear only comes as we relinquish control. And so we let go of the notion that we can control outcomes. We can't, right? And so we let go of that notion. And this realization that we don't control outcomes should drive us to pray persistently, to pray with perseverance. That is what Isaac does in Genesis 25. Perhaps he prays for 20 years for his wife who is barren. And God responds. Have you ever prayed for something for years? Most of us probably haven't. And yet praying persistently is a way that we let go of the temptation to try to control the outcomes that we can't control. So pray persistently. And it's in this release of prayer that we experience the peace that so often eludes us. Philippians chapter 4 Verse 7, pray in all things and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In letting go, we acknowledge God's right to be God and his right to work and to move in his way and in his time. And this demands then that we see with the eyes of faith that he is ultimately working for our good. God is seldom early, but he's never late. The great thing about him is he will accomplish his sovereign plan. 
And even as we see the, the, in seed form what God is doing in using this pregnancy and how it works itself out uh, into history, we see that he is always at work moving things along. And that's true for us as well in our lives. That he is always at work, whether the road is straight or whether it twists, he is at work to sovereignly bring about his purpose. It'd be easy for us to approach this text with the expectation that God would just make everything simple and straightforward for this couple. They're the couple of promise. They're the, they're the ones from whom the promise is going to continue to unfold. You know, maybe we think, well, I mean, that's what I would do, right? If I were God, it would just be straightforward and simple right the rest of the way through. And yet, just like Irish roads, God doesn't always work with straight lines. Sometimes the road twists. Sometimes it bends. And if we're going to experience peace over distress, we have to let go and let God work in his time and in his way with the eyes of faith. Because as difficult as it was, Isaac, or sorry, Jacob and Esau are born. The promise continues to unfold. Uh, Isaac or Esau comes out hairy, which is kind of weird, but he comes out hairy and red. Jacob comes out grasping his heel, which is a, uh, a foreshadowing of what is to come. God is able to move in his time and in his way to accomplish his purpose. Will you trust him? When the road feels long, straight, and clear, will you trust him that, you know what, if a bend comes suddenly, he's seen it. He's seen it. And he's able to use it for your good. Well, let's pray together and ask for his help in that. Father, as we look at this family, Isaac and Rebecca, we think, Father, maybe they felt like things should be straightforward. And they weren't. Rebecca's barrenness, the difficulty in the pregnancy, Father, maybe they weren't expecting that. And yet, Father, we see as we look through the pages of Scripture, we see your faithfulness to your purpose. We see, Father, how you were able even to use that difficulty, moving in your time and in your way to accomplish your will. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us as we wrestle with the unexpected, that you would help us to trust in your sovereign plan, that you are able to use all things, even difficulty, to accomplish your purpose. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and grace. We thank you for the kindness that you've shown us in Christ. 
who took on the very weight of our sin, the penalty for our sin. We pray, Father, that you would continue your work in us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.